Breakfast Club. Product Breakfast Club. The Product Breakfast Club. Hey, everybody. This is the Product Breakfast Club. I am your host, Jake Knapp, and it's just me today. I'm all by myself. Normally, it's me and Jonathan Courtney. Jonathan is on vacation. I don't even know actually where he is. Just realized he never told me even where he is, but he's on vacation. And so it's just me by myself. This is my first time doing the podcast by myself. Unless you count the last fun cast we did where I told a story that I was really excited about and Jonathan just didn't laugh at all. So I felt like I did that one by myself. I guess he was sick or maybe my story wasn't actually funny. But at any rate, I'm going to get him back today. I'm going to get a little revenge on Jonathan. He's away. I am going to steal Jonathan's thunder. Jonathan has been talking for months about the Worldwide Developer Conference, the Apple announcement. He predicted Apple was going to make an announcement about iOS, making an OS upgrade, uh, a change to put people more in control of the way they use distracting apps and kind of limiting the distractions and the noise that come from products like Facebook and Instagram and YouTube and things like that. So Jonathan's been predicting it. Last episode, we talked about Google's announcement. They announced at the IO conference this thing called digital well-being and a bunch of features, many of which were actually about digital well-being, some of which, as we saw, were kind of thrown in there. But they made the announcement. They beat Apple to the punch. And today I'm going to talk about what Apple announced. So I'll make this one kind of fast or as fast as I can because I'm a rambler. Then we'll leave some room for Jonathan to react and get his take in when he returns from his trip next week. So let's get to it. As a side note here, it's kind of stressful doing the podcast by myself. It's weird. Like I'm extremely self-conscious right now. This is my second take. I had to stop because my voice was kind of all tight. I don't know if you guys can hear that. I'm, I'm not as feeling as loose as I usually am. And it's because I'm aware that there's no nobody else kind of going back and forth. I'm not just taping a conversation. Normally it's just we're recording a conversation. Anyway, I won't get too meta. Let's get back to the podcast. Maybe I'll forget my self-consciousness. So you go to apple.com and what they're doing on apple.com is talking about the worldwide developer conference. So they've taken over the homepage to talk about it, which right away in my book kind of scores them some points over Google. It's just much more clear what's going on here. The message is very clear. Four OS updates, one big day. They're talking about how they've announced operating system upgrades for iOS, for Mac OS, Apple Watch OS and the Apple TV OS. So what I'm going to do is just talk about those one by one. I am going to do them slightly out of order. So I'm going to review these. It's not actually my hot take. I think a hot take is right away. I saw this a couple days ago, but I was traveling. So you're going to get my <laughs> my lukewarm take. I've thought about this a little bit. I'm going to skip iOS and come back to it. That's kind of going to be the fun ending to this is to talk about iOS. That's where John made his predictions. But quick look at macOS, the updates they've made to macOS. Honestly, looking at what they've done here, I feel like they have somebody looking over my shoulder as I was working at my desk because these are all like these small little updates that are really nice for me as somebody who uses the Mac day in, day out, writing and making presentations. I'm just like super excited about these changes. Here's what they've got. They've got this kind of dark mode, which if you go into this Mac OS Mojave thing, if you click learn more, 
There's a part where you can toggle between dark mode and light mode. And you're like, oh my gosh, the dark mode is just so much easier on the eyes. And I don't mean easier on the eyes like it's prettier. I mean, literally, it's easier on the eyes. When you switch between the two, my eyes are like, oh, I'm relaxed now. The dark mode is so nice. The desktop, they've got this desktop thing where it changes with the time of day. That's just so cool. I do a lot of things on my Mac. I have like a 27-inch iMac that I'm actually that I'm looking at right now that I do my writing on. And I love having a window in the middle. I mean, it's wasteful, but I love having a window in the middle of that giant screen. And I hide the toolbar and I've got all this space around the edge. It's just super clean. And I've got the big background image. And you know, the display is beautiful. I love these landscape photos for the desktop, as I think everybody does. I think it's human nature. We like looking out at a vista and knowing that we're safe from predators. So I think that it's a very calming thing. But this idea of the desktop changing with the time of day, man, I I love this. I'm super excited about this, actually. Even though it's a totally trivial feature, I'm just delighted. Then they've got a thing about organizing your files on the desktop into stacks, which I kind of feel like they did in the past at some point. I feel like I've seen this before. Anyway, that's fine. That's good. I'm not so into stuff on the desktop. So who knows, though? Maybe that'll help me more than I think. And then they've got this little thing where you can preview files and make little edits. And this also actually, I was like, God, this is totally something that I'm doing all the time. I'm like flipping through illustrations for a book or like whatever photos, and I'm trying to find the right thing. This just feels super useful and smart, although very minor, like a very minor tweak. And that's kind of where we're at with macOS. It's been around for a while. They have done a lot of the things that can be done to make it work well. So what they've got is just like a lot of nice little small features, screenshots. They're making screenshots work better. Some really nice integration between taking a photo on your phone and having that sort of directly interact with the Mac, which is something I constantly find myself doing. I need to take a photo of something and like, you know, airdrop it to the Mac which is already pretty great, but this makes it a little better. So, okay, anyway, enough about this stuff. I'm not going to go any further on the macOS updates. I'm just going to say I feel like this was good. Great. This is going to be a free update. I'm excited. Thank you, Apple, for that. We'll scroll down to the Apple Watch. I'm currently not an owner of an Apple Watch. I actually got one when they came out when they were new. I felt like I needed to be sort of in the know. I was working at Google Ventures at the time and I felt like when I was wearing the Apple Watch, like it was like my engagement ring to my iPhone. Like it was just a little too much nonstop commitment to the iPhone. So I have been tempted to get one again. The one thing that they've got here, I'm not going to go through all these that kind of got me a little excited, although it's sort of silly, is this walkie-talkie thing. So push to talk. And I'm imagining talking to my real wife, not my iPhone, with the push to talk thing, that that could be pretty fun. Walkie-talkies are just so cool. So I kind of like that idea. It seems fun. And then tvOS, I'm not even going to say anything about this. I guess there's some new features. I don't know. Like there's some sound thing. You can watch movies in 4K HDR. I thought you already could. I don't even know why that's a feature. So whatever. I'm not interested in this. Okay, now let's get to it. Jason, if you can play a little bit of dramatic, maybe even ominous music now, because I am going to steal Jonathan's thunder right now. I'm going to steal his thunder. So what I'm going to do is talk about the iOS update that he's been he's been anticipating this for months. Oh my God, this is so great. This is what you get for not laughing at my Batman story, punk. Okay. iOS 12. FaceTime up to 32 people. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Share AR experiences with friends. Okay. But the third headline on the homepage of apple.com is 
Be more aware of how you and your kids use apps. This is what Jonathan's been talking about. Let's see what they did. I'm clicking in. I'm clicking into the iOS 12 updates. More power to you is the headline. I am scrolling down. If you're following along at home, I am at HTTPS colon slash slash www.apple.com slash iOS slash iOS dash 12 dash preview slash and it's coming this fall. The first thing they talk about, the first feature they talk about is performance actually. And you know what? This is something we're all going to instantly, all of us who use iOS, we're going to instantly take for granted. We're going to start using the phone and we're going to be like, gosh, it seems faster. And then we'll instantly forget that it's faster. So let's just pause for a moment to be grateful to the engineers who do what I'm sure is so much hard work, so much hard work to squeeze more speed out of these things. And it's great. And we appreciate you for this moment right now. And then we're just going to take it for granted as soon as we get it. FaceTime with up to 32 people at once. This is kind of interesting. So they've got this little video clip here and you can see the big thing here is this idea that there's these little tiles. Every person's video shows up in a tile and they just kind of get bigger or smaller. Person who's speaking gets bigger as they're talking. And this is a cool idea. I remember working on what became Google Hangouts many years ago and and trying to think about how you handled meetings where there's a lot of video feeds. I think this is a really nice solution. I don't know if you guys ever feel this. I always look at the the people that they use in their marketing, and I think they do a really nice job of getting people who look real, but also like, you know, everybody's attractive, and but they're young. They're all young. So I was looking at this. I don't know why. I just I felt a bit old looking at this, but it's cool. I don't know if I'll hopefully have to engage in a lot of 32-person video meetings on my phone, but maybe this will be a cool thing. At least it's impressive technology. I like the way they handled it. Okay, and emoji. So an emoji, this is interesting. They've done something that Apple so good at stealing other people's ideas. Not really. I mean, they are, they're stealing them, but making them sort of better. Usually what they're done here is kind of a a hybrid of they've mixed together. I mean, that's what stealing is in the world of (laughs) building products and art. It's usually taking different ideas and remixing and improving them. This is something they're talking about a lot in the Sprint book, Buy Sprint. And it's more fun when Jonathan's here to say Buy Sprint. Anyway, Animoji, what they've done is you can create an Animoji of yourself. And it's like the Nintendo, the me from many years ago, where you could create a, you know, like an avatar of yourself with some simple things. It's like, obviously, it's like Bitmoji. And then they've mixed it in with the AR Animoji stuff where the face thing like scans your face. What I'm kind of curious about with this, this idea that I can create this like cartoon self and then have like a FaceTime call or use it in messages. I'm really curious to see what the adoption is going to be like, like how much people are going to use this. My take is this feels like something where they're flexing some really impressive technical prowess here, like that they can do this stuff in real time, that it's scanning your face is like technically impressive. but it it feels like it lacks the delight, but I'm imagining a lot of instant delight, you know, where like the first time you use it, it's probably a lot of fun. Like Animoji was, I was, I have an iPhone 10 and I was just like, so much fun to use Animoji or to show Animoji to somebody for the first time. So magical. But then like, I'm not using Animoji day to day and maybe people are, maybe people out there are using them a lot, but it's just a little bit awkward. It doesn't quite fit. And whereas Bitmoji, I think what's so special about it is partly that you're not crafting it yourself. One time you are creating 
your avatar, right? You do it once. And then they've got all these like, they sort of pre-can the little things that you say, you know? So it's like humorous because some of the things are like not quite in my voice. Like one of the things I most love to use in Bitmoji is wine time because I don't drink wine. It's kind of like a joke to anybody who knows me that I would be like standing there with a wine glass sloshing around. And it's, I don't know. I think maybe that shows that I don't have a good sense of humor, but I think that's pretty funny here. Like this, I don't know. Anyway, I'm a skeptic. I've talked about it too much. Let's keep going Four new Animoji. Okay, cool. I mean, it's fun. I'm sure I'll play with all of them for a few seconds, whatever. Camera effects, I'm sure they're kind of, you know, trying to steal Snapchat or Instagram. I don't know. These are things I don't really use. So I don't know if this is fun or not. It's probably not something I'm going to get super into. I might be wrong. AR, you know, they're trying hard with this AR stuff. And they show here a video of somebody like playing a video game with their friends, holding up an iPad, shooting like a planet. I don't get it. I feel like, I don't know, with AR, it's again, it's like technically impressive, but I just don't feel like the exciting thing has come yet with this stuff. Finally, finally we're here because screen time, this is what Jonathan has been talking about, screen time. So be more aware of how you and your kids use your devices. We're gonna take a look at this. And they've done the same thing that Google did, more or less. They've taken this sort of analytics of how you use your phone. They've telling you how much time you spend on the screen and how much time you use on different apps. And then also allowing you to set limits on different apps. So it's the same thing as some of the same things that Google did. And I think I suspect that that's not because Apple in the last two weeks has been copying Google. I think it's because these are really obvious things to do. They're very obvious first steps. I remain as skeptical as I was a couple of weeks ago when we talked about what Google did. I remain skeptical that measuring people's time spent and then showing them how much time they spent is really going to change behaviors. I also want to applaud the idea that you set a time limit on an app. I think that's a great thing. I've been doing that for a long time on the desktop with a plugin called Stay Focus that you can use in Google Chrome. And I use it to just like limit me on like Twitter and news websites so that I'm not spending my whole day on there. And I do think that actually is really effective. Provided that you really shut it off when it's over, you know, I think you have to make sure that I'm curious to see if they let you continue to use, in this example, Instagram, whether, you know, once you've run out of time on it. But I think this is cool. So then the next thing they talk about is notifications. Easily take control of your notifications. And they're basically like they're organizing notifications into chunks. This is good. I guess I mean better, I suppose, than the way it was before maybe, but I'm a little, I don't know. Look, it's kind of like with the notification stuff, I feel like they want credit now for cleaning up a little bit, something that they started. I mean, they, they came out with the iPhone. They sort of introduced this idea of notifications for all these different apps because they were the leader in this for so long. And now it's like, you want credit for cleaning them up? I feel like it's like somebody walked into your home and like dumped a bunch of garbage all over your house. And then like, they came back like you know, the next day and were like, hey, good news. I sorted that. Like now the diapers are all in one pile and like the egg cartons are all in one pile. And like, no, like don't dump garbage in my house. Like, you know, I feel like they, when we talked about this with the Google notification stuff, it's like, they need to be more hardcore about this. I want them to say, the new default is no notifications. You now must go back in. It's like a jubilee for new notifications. Everything is wiped clean. Now you go back in and you turn on the things that you want and you tell us when you want to be notified. But other than that, we are defaulting to off. So 
I'm being a jerk. Like they've done a nice job. This is a really good start, but I feel like it's a start. I don't feel like this goes far enough. Yeah. Do not disturb. Okay. Again, these things put a lot of burden on the user to make choices over and over again. And I don't want to belabor this point because I talked about it when we talked about the Google stuff, but I think you need to let users make choices, let people make the choice one time, and then, you know, try to apply that choice for them again and again. Don't make me choose over and over again, but that's it. That's what they've done for attention management. So they have less things that they've done than Google, which is typical of Apple, less things, but better described. But the other thing I want to talk about with them is this idea of conflict. With Google, we saw that there was sort of this conflict between the things that they do that are part of what they do, like YouTube, and then trying to figure out, like, how do we position this when we're saying we want to help you be more in control of your time? And yet YouTube really benefits from you spending a lot of time on it. And Apple led with, if you look at what's on that phone, it's like they've measured your time on Instagram and Facebook and YouTube. And if you look at what's on the iPhone screenshot at the top of the page on the homepage, I think it shows like, I believe it's Instagram, Facebook, and Netflix and YouTube. So these are all competitors of Apple's. Maybe, I don't know, Instagram and Facebook are less direct competitors, although they certainly don't see eye to eye on on privacy and things. But you know, like Netflix is definitely a competitor of Apple's and YouTube too, because Apple's makes money. Obviously they're selling it to Apple TV stuff. So I think the big question here for me is like, how do they handle these conflicts? And here they are calling out other companies who, if you use any of those products less, if you use Instagram less, Facebook, YouTube, Netflix, if you use those things less, that doesn't hurt Apple. That's fine for Apple. If you use play games less, now that is kind of interesting. So on this page, they do show a time check, five minutes remaining for games today and somebody playing a game. And I think this is good. I wish they were a little bit more upfront about games. Games is not the thing they seem to be talking about the most here. And I didn't actually watch the keynote, so maybe they did. But if you go to the app store on your phone, if you have an iPhone, games are everywhere. They are doing so much to talk about new games, to make games seem interesting. Games make Apple a ton of money. And Apple is many kinds of companies. You know, they're a software company. And I think that's what Steve Jobs always said. They're obviously a hardware company as well. And one of the things they are now increasingly is a content company. They make money off of movies and TV shows that they sell to you. They want to make money, more money off the Apple TV. And they are also a gaming company because they make a lot of money off of people playing games on iOS. And so there is a conflict for them with attention management, which is that games take time to play. Games can be very distracting. Games are going to pull you back in with notifications and et cetera, et cetera. How do they resolve that conflict? Anyway, it's an open question. You can see the conflicts written on these marketing pages for these new efforts from both Google and Apple. But I think that it's a really good thing that both companies are talking about this, that this topic has now been broached. They both are doing it, which is going to increase the pressure on them and on others to follow through. And usually with features, you don't see the first time something comes out being the best ultimate version of it. I hope that these features will get stronger and stronger and smarter over time so that they really help people set up barriers and not just things that make you feel guilty. These features that exist today are a little bit closer to the things that'll make you feel guilty, but at least the topic is out there. Everybody's owning it. Everybody's saying it's a problem, and I think it's going to be a good thing. I'm going to leave you there. That is the end of the Jake Lonely cast. Jonathan will be back with me next time. 
You can find me online if you are so inclined at Jake K on Twitter, J-A-K-E-K, or at jakenap.com. And you can find Jonathan, although I don't know physically, geographically where he is, you can find him online at J Ice Cream on uh, Instagram and occasionally Twitter. And uh, he's a very entertaining fellow. So although I am not on Instagram, I'm sure it's just tons of fun to follow him. Have a great day, everybody, and a great week, and we'll see you next time. I'm not going to do a Friday Funcast by myself. I'm just barely making it through this one. It's so stressful doing the podcast by myself. So this will be the only one this week, but next time we'll be back in full force with the J Ice Cream Man. All right, you guys. Have a good one. See ya. Breakfast Club. Bye, everybody.